Great. Thank you so much, Matthew. Let's pray, shall we, as we open the Lord's word together this morning. Lord, we thank you that uh, in the midst of our current situation, the trials that we go through, you are indeed just and good and loving and gracious. And we pray that you'll open your word to us now by your spirit to understand, to encounter you and to respond in trust in Jesus name. Amen. The great Christian thinker Augustine was once asked what God was doing before he made the heavens and the earth. The answer he gave, I think, is apocryphal, but he's said to have replied, he was creating a hell for idiots like you who ask questions like that. Well, these last two weeks have turned all of our worlds upside down in a short space of time. And what a long time ago it feels that we lived what felt like a normal life, not suspecting that within a few weeks we would be in quarantine and great uncertainty as a nation. So sometimes, doesn't it, a short time can feel like an age. At other times, of course, happier, easier times, they seem like they're over too soon. Time flies. Well, this psalm, Psalm 90, humbles us, doesn't it, by reminding us of really how short our lives are. Further down the psalm, verse 3 says we may live uh, to 70 or 80 years, perhaps. It says later in the psalm, but this is nothing in eternity. You turn people to dust, says the psalm, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Verse 5 says we may feel strong, but we're just grass. In the context of eternity, in the morning it springs up new, but by evening it's dry and withered. We need to be humbled like this, as this psalm helps us to be, with how short human life is. That's the challenge of this psalm, isn't it? But there's also here good news underneath that. The good news of this psalm, of those first two verses, is that against human mortality we can set divine eternity. To God, even a thousand years are like a few hours, a watch of the night. In this series, we've been discovering that there is none like him. God is infinite, unchanging and self-sufficient. Today, we look at this theme that God is eternal. We are mortal, but God is everlasting. God's eternity is actually really good news for us and for two reasons just in those first two verses of psalm 90 verse one because god is eternal in his care of us you have been our dwelling place through all generations psalm saying it's not one generation only that tastes god's goodness his eye never sleeps as he cares for us his people so easy, isn't it, for us to forget that, that he's blessed us in the past because we're so busy seeking new blessings in the present. You've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. He doesn't suddenly become less kind than he was or more careless about us, his people. He's eternal in his care. And then verse two, a little bit more we can say on this, God is eternal in his being in who he actually is. There are 
two statements in verse two. The first one tells us God's prior in his existence before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world. You are God. Before the world came into existence, before time began, God was. And then second, end of verse two, God's eternal in his timeless life. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, timeless life. He's not temporary God. He's not mortal. He's not time bound. He is eternal. Now, I don't know about you. I find time a really hard concept to get my head around. Uh, We divide time, don't we, into past and present and future. But we only actually experience, don't we, the now, the infinite succession of moments we call the present. So this morning, we live, don't we, within time. You woke up maybe 7.30 a.m., painfully early this morning, wasn't it, with the clocks going forward. (laughs) You ate breakfast at 8 a.m. You went for a walk, your daily exercise at 8.30. Your life and mine are constrained, measured by every successive moment, every year that passes. God's not like that. He's not constrained by time or measured in age. He's eternal. He timelessly exists. He's present to every moment, past, present and future at once. One other puts it like this. He lives in an everlasting now. God dwells in eternity, but time dwells within God. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis says, imagine a sheet of white paper that expands to infinity in all directions. That's eternity. Then he says, imagine a short line drawn with a pencil on that sheet as the line begins and ends in that vast expanse. So time began and will end in him. In the New Testament, Revelation 1, verse 8, um, most of these references I'll mention are also printed on your sheet as well. Revelation 1, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come. Past, present, future, all at once. We speak, don't we, of created things in the past, the present or the future. So there was the time when the printing press was invented or the Internet came along. Um, There will be almost certainly further viruses in the future. But God is simply always. Think of it this way. When we describe God as eternal, we tend to have to use negatives to describe that, what he's not. So as our verse 2 says, God has no beginning and end. From everlasting to everlasting, he's God. That's actually really good news, this. Uh, God has no beginning, you see. That means The God who loves us today was there before creation. He didn't give himself existence from nothing. He wasn't created by some bigger being that one day may wipe him out. He simply was from eternity. No beginning, but also no end either. 
there's no danger that the God who loves us today will cease to exist, to live one day in the future. He has no end as no beginning. He will not cease either to live or to love. Also means there's no change in God. God is perfect. He doesn't need to experience things to learn and grow and develop as we do. We're changed by successive instances and events all the time. A phone call that brings bad news changes us. The process of growing grey hairs changes us. The process of becoming more like Christ changes us. But God's not like that. He's eternal. Could be thought of rather like the difference between, say, the River Wensum and the Pacific Ocean. A river, you see, changes, doesn't it? As it flows, uh, it grows and becomes bigger. As it rains, it floods. In a drought, it shrinks. But an ocean remains vast, measureless, unchanging, at least to the human eye, whatever flows into it. God's more like an ocean than a river. Eternal, always the same. There's actually one positive, though, we can say about God being eternal. He's got no beginning, no end, no change, but he is the source of all life because he's eternal. In Exodus 3.14, the Lord meets Moses at the burning bush and has that defining revelation of himself as the God who is I am, I am. And then you think that name, I am, is a unique revelation of God and who he is. His being is his existence. I am. For instance, I can say of my friend Roger that he lived for 58 years. I can't say that of God, can I? God simply, well, he lives. Full stop. He is life eternal. He lives timelessly, eternally. So the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 says that all things have their being in God. Created life comes from God, the source of life. But even more, eternal life comes from knowing the God who is eternal life. In John's Gospel, Jesus says in John 5, 26, the Father has life in himself. John 17, verse 3 John, Jesus prays, this is eternal life, Father, that they should know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John three sixteen. whoever believes in him, in Jesus, will not perish, but have eternal life. God's eternal, the source of eternal life. So what does that truth mean, that God is eternal for us today? For our past, for our present, for our future? Well, many of us, as we think of the past, are regretful. There's a word here for the regretful, isn't there? We look back to the time pre-C, pre-virus, when there was no lockdown, we were free of sickness and There is a healthy looking back at good times in the past. Nothing wrong with that. There's a a healthy looking back also with regret at the sins 
that needed Christ to come and die for us. But give thanks for it too. Hebrews 7 tells us that Jesus offered his blood as a sacrifice for us and that he also always lives. He always lives to intercede for those who come to him. Those are good regrets. But there's also regret that's an unhealthy way of dwelling on past mistakes, past failings and sins. The Charles Wesley hymn says he breaks the power of cancelled sin. How some of us need those words to remind us that past sins are dealt with on the cross. How I need to leave regrets behind when past sins come back and haunt me that grace, the truth is grace has saved me. I live in transforming grace. I don't live in the past. What about the future? Well, here's a word for the neglectful and perhaps for the fearful. Colossians 1 says that Christ is before all things. He's eternal. It's a reminder to us that we'll meet him one day, whether we've received him in this life or not, and how dangerous it is to be neglectful of the salvation, the love, the life Christ eternally offers. If I choose eternity without him, I'm forgetting that his eternity is as much a terror to those that reject him as its precious comfort to those who receive him. That's you. Come to Jesus, the source of life today, as your saviour. He's promised pardon to the penitent. He's not promised, though, tomorrow to the negligent. The neglectful, but what about the fearful? Someone here watching, many of us perhaps, are feeling very anxious about the future. Many face uncertainty in this climate about our employment in the future or about our health or those of loved ones. And we ask, don't we, where's this come from? How has God allowed this? Our faith is struggling. God's kingdom, God's church may seem frail, but God's eternity comforts us in all our fears. It says again in Lamentations, Lord, you remain forever, your throne from generation to generation. His promises, his kingdom are as eternal as his word. The everlasting God, as Isaiah 40, 28 calls him, the everlasting God will for eternity be the same in his will, his wisdom and his ways. And lastly, the present. Here's a word for the slothful, uh, the lazy, and a word for the purposeful, the busy. Paul says in Ephesians 5 that we are to redeem the time in this present evil age, to live fully for Christ in the present. It's very easy, isn't it, to forget that, to think that I'll get round to serving the Lord some other day. The slothful person like me sometimes, becomes expert at procrastination, putting off, doing that job, making that phone call. I say, oh, I'll start reading the Bible next week, next month, or I'll make that phone call to that lonely person when I'm less busy. Laziness believes that 
the time that God's given us isn't really precious at all. But actually, God says, redeem that time. I've given you today to serve me. What about, though, the purposeful? Purposes are good things, usually, aren't they? But sometimes they can be self-driven, busy, purposeful things. The purposeful person fills their diary with events, activities, busyness, packing in more than a day's time, complaining there are not enough days in the week, enough hours in the day, as if God isn't wise enough to give us the time we need. We wring every ounce of activity out. And the eternal God reminds us that redeeming the time doesn't necessarily mean burning our candle at both ends. Rest is time redeemed as well as work. So as I close, we face, don't we, at the moment, dark clouds over our horizon in this temporary time of pandemic. So let's fix our eyes on what's eternal, on the joy of eternity in the confidence and the presence of Christ. Because there we will join with the angels in singing his praise. There we will love him even more than just because he's creator and saviour, but because he is eternal. He lives timelessly forever. And there we'll never run out of things to praise him for. Nor will we run out of things and time in which to praise him. Psalm 27, the writer says, One thing I ask, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze on the beauty of the Lord. That's eternity in his praise. The hymn Amazing Grace puts it like this. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise than when we first began. In a moment, I'm going to say a prayer based on the words of another great hymn. But before that, here's a coffee question. So that when at the end of uh, this service, uh, you go away and make your coffee and watch the, the worship song that's linked in the description below the video as well. Here's the question. How does the truth that God is timelessly eternal affect how you think about your past, present and future? That question is printed again on the online sheet if you want to look at it there. Why not talk about that with someone in your household or make a phone call or chat to your small group about it? Let's pray. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Under the shadow of your throne, Before the hills in order stood, or earth received her frame. From everlasting, you are God, to endless years the same. A thousand ages in your sight are like an evening gone, short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, be our guide while troubles last, and our eternal home. <laughs> 